Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord? And I so thoroughly enjoyed the music again tonight and the worship. It's, uh, it's been a real pleasure. We were really blessed this morning with the music from Cliff and, uh, and from Scylla. <laughs> and um, I see that tonight we've been added to with the skill and talents of well, it's a cross between Val Dunican and, um, <laughs> and, uh, what? I can't remember what it is. <laughs> you know, we get to an age, I thought of the other room, what was it, Elizabeth? Les Dawson. Not Les Dawson. <laughs> his name, he sang, it's only, uh, you know, I do it my way, what's his name? Frank. Frank said, so, so you're a cross, which, whichever you choose, Val or Frank. But anyway, thank you. That music has been absolutely wonderful tonight, and to, the worship has been wonderful. And to sing about Jesus and to sing songs that everybody can sing and understand and remember, and we can sing them tomorrow morning when it's pouring with rain and it's Monday morning and we've got a busy day ahead of us, just to remind ourselves that we can sing about Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your precious word. And above all else, we want you to be glorified. Help us, we pray. Let your word speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I do want to say thank you, a big thank you to our host and hostess for the weekend and the wonderful five-star establishment that we've been <laughs> staying in over these over this weekend it's been absolutely wonderful apart from the man in the house everything else has been fine and, um, it's been a real privilege and a real joy and uh, good to renew fellowship and uh, good to chat over old times and um, I, we keep saying to each other you know if only the church would listen to us it would be perfect. We wouldn't have to need to wait to get to heaven to be perfected. It could be, it could be perfect now if it did everything our way. So there you go. Nobody believes us, but we believe it, don't we? Pastor Hayden. Yeah. Well, I do have a message tonight, and to be honest, I don't want to preach it, but I feel I've got to. So I hope you don't mind, and I, I trust that we. I, I haven't got my stopwatch here, so. If it's going on a bit and you're getting a bit bored, just throw something at me and <laughs> make sure it's not your Bible, okay? Because I don't think that's good on a Sunday in church. But if you can find anything else, just throw it. But you've heard it said many a time, when it comes to thinking about the church, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And we all nod our heads and we say, yep, that is absolutely true. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. So what is the main thing? Because that's the obvious question that comes next. What is the main thing? So there are two ways of looking at it. First of all, what is the main thing for you and for me as an individual Christian? And then what is the main thing for us together as the body of Christ here in this locality, in this particular area, what is the main thing that God wants us to be and to do for his glory? I made a list of a couple of, of things that, um, that I feel are important, and maybe one of these you think is perhaps the main thing. 
So I started off with, well, we should be religious. Now when I say that, I don't mean being religious in the sense of just going through the forms, but that we are pious, that we are, that we are, you know, we, we, we go through the rituals with meaning and it's all done with sincerity, that we're honest in what we sing about and what we talk about. Or maybe it's, perhaps that's a priority in your, your mind, it should, that's how it should be. Or perhaps you think that the main thing should be taught doctrine and Bible study. What does God say? Perhaps that's the main thing above all else. Or it may be worship, like we've had tonight, worship and, and music. Maybe it's the worship and the music that should be the main thing. Make the main thing the main thing. Develop the worship and the music. Well, somebody else will say, no, I don't think that's the main thing. I think the main thing is that we reach out to the community. So we're talking about evangelism here. We're talking about community aid. We're talking about making the premises available for the needy people in the, in the community in which we live. That should be the main thing. You know, let, let's make that the, the main thing. Is that what God wants? And then somebody else will say, oh, no, I don't think it's that. I think it's the fellowship and the friendship that exists among us. We are a family. We've heard it already today a couple of times. We are a family together. We, we, we must extend that right hand of fellowship to people, whoever they are, whatever their background, whatever they like, whatever they've come from, whatever color skin they have, whatever culture has been in their history. We must open our hearts and, and experience the love of God and let them experience the love of God. And then someone else will come along and say, well, I think actually the main thing is to make sure that the building is accessible for people. And so we should look at uh, the, the nature and uh, appreciate the beauty of the building and let's, let's create a building that people feel is, is sufficient to come into to worship. Let's, let's think about art and architecture and let's build a cathedral in the middle of Gateshead and, uh, you know, and the building is the most important thing and the comfort. And I do thank God, I know the chairs are heavy to lift but they are the most comfortable chairs and just and easy to go to sleep in so I'm keeping an eye open here today. And then of course the, the ambience, maybe somebody else says well no it's not just the building but it's, it's the ambience and it's the atmosphere that we create and the mood that we create so maybe we should have some coloured lights here and a smoke machine puffing away in the corner and, and, and just create that sort of ambience that people feel well you know it's not too different from walking into a, 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 another type of, of establishment. But you know, the Lord spoke to me a little while back and, and I saw this in a completely different light. I, I had my own opinions about what the main thing should be. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing and then I talk about what I thought was the main thing. But you know what? The main thing is this. Plus I should read it to you from Romans, and we're back to Romans again, and chapter 10 and verses 13 to 15. And it's in the first verse that I'll be reading to you. Romans 10 verses 13 to 15, where Paul writes, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he goes on in verse 14, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him 
of whom they have never heard. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach without being sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now that little statement, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring or preach the good news, is found in from or taken from Isaiah 52 and verse 7, where through the prophet Isaiah, God says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of right of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, You are God reigns. So there it is. The, the, for me, the main thing, you know, I know it's not mind shattering, it's not world buzzing, you know, it's, it's what I believe the word of the Lord is to me and to us, to you as individuals and to you as a church. To those, or for everyone it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Those who call on the name of the Lord. It's such a simple statement. We've read it. How many times have we read it? How many times have we heard it? To those who call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Now this morning we, we noted in one of the re readings that Jesus gave a new commandment to his disciples at the end of John 13 and said, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And then he went on to say, by this, that's our love for each other, God's love through us and in us for each other, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Now is there a contest between what Jesus said and what Paul says here? He says, Jesus said, this is a new commandment, and it's by this, your love for one another, that will attract the world and they'll see that you are my disciples. No, there's no contest at all. Because first of all, when people see the love of God or feel the love of God amongst his people, they will be drawn, they'll know God is in this place. That's what Jesus was saying, that Jesus is here. The love of God makes its own presence felt. The love of God does its own work. We can't produce it, we can't manufacture it, we can't stir it up, but all we do in our love for each other brings the presence of God in such a way that when people walk in, immediately they sense the presence of God. Have you got that? But until they do the next thing, that's all they've done is say, oh, this is, this is something that I've never experienced before. There is something in this place. I mean, they may not be able to identify what it is, but the love of God is such. Until they do this. So for me, this is the main thing. To get people not only in and enjoying the presence of God and feeling the presence of God, but until they call on the name of the Lord, they're not going to be saved. Are you following my train of thought here? It's for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we're talking really about prayer. Now I know that prayer... If we, if we talk about prayer, if I'd mentioned right at the beginning we're going to talk about prayer tonight, some of you would be immediately, oh, 
God, how many times have we heard somebody talking about prayer and encouraging us to pray more and to do more in prayer and so forth. And, and others will sink into your seat with a sense of guilt. Oh, I know, yeah, whatever he's going to say, I know he's right because at the end of the day, I should pray more. I'm not coming to do that. I've not come with a word of condemnation. I'm coming with a word of encouragement to you tonight. <laughs> That what God has laid on my heart, I want to be able to say to you today that calling on God works. Calling on God actually works. We read over it, we utter the words, but you know, when you call on God and take your hands off the reins, then we allow God to do his own thing in his own time. And as we established this morning, again afresh, God always is at work. Even when we don't see it, even when we see the opposite happening, we learn that God is always at work because he is. He never slumbers nor sleeps. He never goes for a rest. He never goes upstairs in heaven to have a little lay down for a rest. On the seventh day, he chose to rest from, from the labors of his hands for our benefit. That was the Sabbath. Not for him, but for us. For, we, for us to learn how to rest in him. And, and really that's what the apostle is saying here. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, just call upon him. Call upon him. That's the word of the Lord to you as, a, as an individual and to us as, a, as to all of us as a congregation. To call upon the name of the Lord. It's really the act of depending on and trusting in God alone. That's the main thing. If we start to trust in anything else, we are misplacing our trust. But when we trust in him alone and call upon him, then he does whatever has to be done. And of course, he can do far more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. The first mention of this calling on God is in Genesis 4.26, there's no need to, read, to, to, uh, to, to turn to it, but Genesis 4.26, to Seth also a son was born and he called him Enosh. So I'm glad that that little lad at the back is called Marco and not Enosh. But anyway, if your name, middle name is Enosh, I'm sorry, but oh boy. And then it says, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Why did God put that in there? How many times have I read that? But in studying this, that's one of the scriptures that came up. Why right at the beginning? Why right there back in Genesis? Why did he say that? Because that's the thing that pleases him. Because that's what he delights in when we call upon him. And that's why Paul takes the same theme up. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, that scripture that I read to you in, in verse 14, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Or how will they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Let's just turn that around and go backwards and think about this. Listen to this. Sending leads to preaching. Preaching leads to hearing. Hearing leads to believing. Believing leads to calling on the name of the Lord. So the object 
the main thing, to keep as the main thing, is for people, yes, to believe, but to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Why? Because God, He alone is able to answer prayer. That's why God wants us to call Him. Now we've grown up in, in, a, in an era where we have been taught in many ways through society as well as in school and educational facilities that we are to do the best ourselves, which is perfectly okay of course, that we are to do the best for ourselves, that we are to work hard and to do whatever has to be done to, to achieve what we want to achieve. That's all well and good. But when it comes to spiritual things, what you and I do is minimal in comparison to what God himself can do when we invite him to do it. If you understand what I mean, I know it's hard going and it's warm in here, I know it is. I know, but are you following me? Are you getting this? I hope you are. Please God, by your spirit, just enable me to impart what I sense in my spirit that you are saying here. Because I, I believe that God is, is looking for the greatest of success in this place. God is nothing that God ever does is mediocre. Nothing that God does is second best. And sometimes we expect so little and we get little. Instead of expecting great things from a great God who is great and mighty and glorious, and instead of calling upon him and saying, Lord, the sky's the limit. Well, it's not the limit, really. Beyond that, he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the funnel is me. He can, of course God can do anything, of course he can, but it all depends on how much I'm going to let him do it. I'm the funnel. According, says the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3.20, according to the power that is at work in us. How much am I calling on God and allowing him to do? Oh dear me, I feel I'm preaching up myself here. I don't know if you're not hearing it. I'm certainly hearing it. Because, uh, you know, th these are the great things that God is saying to, to me anyway. And I'm sharing it with you tonight. Call upon him. Now you say, good grief, I've been a Christian for, you know, 125 years. <clears throat> I was saved when, you know, when Spurgeon was preaching and, you know, and, 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 and you know, I've been around a long time and I've traveled a long way and, and, you know, I've been a Christian, I'm a mature Christian all these years. But don't we need to be reminded about calling on God? Call on God. Let us not put up with what we see, but let us see with the eye of faith and say, Lord, is there any limit to what you can do? Didn't God himself say over and over again, with God, nothing is impossible. And when we are working with God, that's exactly how it is. There is nothing too hard that he cannot do. And how many scriptures we could relate to and stories and experiences in the scripture. Uh, you know, we can think of dozens of them. The greatness of God being made manifest as simple people like us call upon his name. So you look at the Old Test in the New Testament and the account of how the, the, the early church began. I mean, I'm telling you things you already know. It was birthed in the atmosphere of prayer in Acts chapter 2. In the atmosphere of prayer, it wasn't because of anyone's preaching. It wasn't because of anyone's singing or musical energy. But while the people, the 120, were up in that other upper room and they were waiting in prayer. 
And you know how it grew, of course. It, the result of prayer in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. So those who received his word, that's Peter's word, were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. But what had birthed those 3,000 souls? It was the prayer. It was in the atmosphere of prayer. What did those early church, what did the early church do in times of opposition and, and persecution? Well, you, you'll read it for yourself there in, in Acts chapter 4 and 23 to 31, that great prayer of the apostles. They lifted their voices together to God. They, they went back to the disciples and they lifted their voices together to God. You remember the story of Peter being thrown in prison? I'm, I'm all for some apostles getting thrown into prison and get them out of the way. But there are other apostles who really preach the truth and see things happening. Thank God for that. For, for good men who are preaching the truth. The truth that sets people free. And Peter was thrown into prison, the great leader of the, of the, of the, of the, the children of God at the time. And it says in verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison so he was but and what a but this is but earnest prayer was made to God by who? well I dare say Peter was pretty well praying for himself I'm sure he was but prayer was made to God by the church the church came together to call upon God to set Peter free and you know what happened of course what a great story it is how the angel came down and touched Peter woke him up opened the gates led Peter out and then he came to himself and the first thing Peter does go to the prayer meeting that was actually praying for him and you can imagine him knocking on the door can't you and it says it there in Acts chapter 12 wanting to go into the prayer meeting and tell them hey guys your prayers have been answered he couldn't get in the little girl that went to the door, she goes back to the leaders. Peter's at the door. Don't be deaf. I mean, you can imagine the leaders. Don't be silly. How can he be at the door? He's in prison. But we've been praying for him and he's at the door. Don't be deaf. Go and sit down, girl, for goodness sake. What's the matter with you? Are you having too much cheese? <laughs> but who's at the door? Peter. You see, when, when the church gets together to pray, something happens. And, and you know, the one thing that the devil hates is a prayer meeting. The one thing that the devil, he, he doesn't mind us trying to do our best. Come on, do your best, he says. Yeah, that's how he is. Do what you can. Come on. Yeah, you, you do it. You can do it. Of course you can do it. You can't. We know we, we understand that, don't we? We need to be, I need to be reminded of this. That, listen, get my hands off these things and let God do what only he can do. The church got together to pray. Now, why is it's a couple of good questions here. Why does God tell us he wants us to call on him? Why does he want us to call on him? Why pray to God who already knows what we need? He already knows what we're going to ask for before we ask him. Why does he therefore want us to call upon him? What's the point? I mean, if he already knows, why do we need to call on him? Why call, why ask, if he already knows everything anyway? I mean, God is omni omniscient. He knows everything, the end from the beginning. He never learns anything new. He never forgets anything that he once knew. He, he, nothing ever shocks him. He knows the end from the beginning. It's wonderful when you think about who God is and what he is like. So if he knows all this and he tells us, listen, before, why the words are still in your mouth, I know what you're going to ask for. And while the words are still in your mouth, I'm already acting on your prayers. 
Why does he say that? Why then call upon him? Well, here's why. Because prayer is the recognition and declaration of our complete dependence on God for everything. And that we trust him to hear and answer our prayers. Dependence and trust. Dependence and trust. When you come to pray, when you come to call upon God, you're saying, Lord, I give up. This is what you're saying in effect. I give up. I've tried. I tried everything. And where has it got me? Absolutely nowhere. I depend entirely upon you. And I trust you not only to hear my prayer, but to answer my prayer. Now the initial reaction of the human spirit is one of independence, not dependence. Straight away, we are developing that independent spirit, even when we are, you know, it's a funny old thing, but you don't have to teach little Marco there to say no. You have to teach him to say yes. I was exactly the same, my children were exactly the same. It's a spirit of independence that is inherited, unfortunately, from father and mother, that passes down into the child, and we have to teach them to say yes, because their, their initial reaction to anything is no. No, it's, it's a spirit of independence. I want to do things like Frank. I want to do things my way. Sorry, I keep pondering on it. But, but, but that's the truth, isn't it? And that's how we are. And we've got to fight that spirit of independence. Lord, we cannot do it. Even together we cannot do it. But Lord, see this building. You could fill this building in a moment. In a matter of weeks. We could be looking for a new premises. Or saying, are the foundations under this one sufficient that we go up another three or four stories? You, you, you understand what I mean? Is that too hard for God? I mean, is, it, is, is that just dreaming? Is that too much cheese? Is it, is it, come on, come on, get a life? No, it's, this is God we're talking about here. What is it that God really wants? He wants us to call upon him. So my conclusion is simply this. The main thing is to keep the main thing, and the main thing is quite clear. Prayer is the main thing, which means... That if you can't get along to the service on a Sunday, what a shame. That's a, uh, I'm sorry, oh dear, what a shame. But whatever you do, don't miss the prayer meeting. Wherever it is, just don't miss it. Because the prayer meeting is the powerhouse of any effective church. And it is out of that prayer meeting that all effective and lasting spiritual fruit springs. I know it's not the message you want to hear. I know it's not the message that I really wanted to speak and bring. But this is the message that God has laid on my heart. I believe God has a purpose to fulfill in this place. And I wouldn't bring this message if that was not the case. I couldn't preach this in some places because I know, you, um, how can I put this, you just sense that God's purpose in this place is finished and it's winding down. 
But there are other places that you sense that God has got something that he is withholding at the moment until we call upon him and say, Lord, I'm taking my hands off this and I'm saying, God, we depend totally upon you. You can fill this place with people who need you. Lord, that's what we're calling on you for. Because everyone who calls on you will be saved. We want to bring people to that point through the love that we have for each other, that, that unity that exists, that people recognize there's something in this place. It's the presence of Jesus, of course. But there's something in this place that draws them and then we lead them to that point where they themselves call upon the name of the Lord that they shall be saved. Now I said, if you can't get to a Sunday worship, um, you know, I, I'm sorry, it's a shame, but make sure you don't miss the prayer meeting. I think we should have Sunday worship. Don't get me wrong, I'm not putting that down at all. The, the, the scripture in further, further on in Hebrews, the, the apostles says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of Sundays. And I know after, after um, COVID, you know, and, and the lockdown, to two lockdowns that we've endured some people haven't gone back to church they've become comfortable to watch services on the television and they're going to be the losers for that because it's as we come together and share it's what we were talking about this morning body ministry you encouraging me me encouraging you you encouraging one another and you know one of the greatest encouragements for me in any church is simply this that I see somebody in the congregation who's really going through a difficult time they're facing impossible situations they, really they have every excuse to stay at home and, and, and stay in bed you know every excuse but the fact is they've come to church they are there with God's people that to me is the greatest encouragement it really is it, they don't have to say anything but because I know that they're going through very difficult times they've come together with God's people because they know that that's where the source of power is that's where their source of encouragement is that's where they get built up that's where they get the strength of God's grace to help them through whatever that trial may be it's as we assemble ourselves together and so I made a commitment many years ago that as long as I can and for as long as I'm able I will crawl to be together with God's people as I want God's presence to be there not just to be a religious ritual of, of doing going through the motions but to have the presence of God that is real like we've had tonight in that worship just sensing that Jesus is here and that we can ask him for anything what is it that's be bearing down upon your heart and upon your mind call upon him and see what he will do that's what God is saying really to us through this uh, wonderful text in, in the scripture we learning that we learn to trust God alone do you know what I think that's why we're on the earth so long that we learn to trust God is one of the, the, the hardest lessons at least I find it one of the hardest lessons I could be religious tomorrow. You know, one of the worst things I have to do is sign my name and then my occupation. And uh, at least when I was not, not retired, uh, but I have to do it now and say retired. Minister of religion. Minister of religion. That's the last thing. 
thing I would want anyone to be ministered to is religion. I don't want people to become religious because it will land them in a lost eternity. What I want them to do is to do this. Call upon the name of the Lord and enter into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So minister of religion satisfies the, the box tickers but for me it's very unsatisfactory. It's not what I want to be known as. I don't want to minister religion and that's exactly what it is. We learn to trust God alone and make sure that he is not the missing ingredient in our times together. I like what Psalm 127 and verse 1 says. It's one of the songs of a sense. This is why I think we need to learn to trust God alone. Because unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain to build it. Do what you like. It's not the Lord's house you're building, it's probably yours. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Psalm 78 and verse 69 says, He built his sanctuary like the heavens, like the earth that he established forever. He chose David his servant, took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep. He brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart and skillful hands. He led them. There's the definition of a true pastor, if ever there was one. That's what a leader looks like. Read it for yourself there. God builds his sanctuary. He takes no, someone who is a nobody, who has integrity of heart and skillful hands, and through them he leads his people. I tell you, there's the, there's the way to success. There's the mark of achievement in God that God expects from us. Remember what Jesus said? On this rock, I will build my church is <laughs> his church. Now we may be uh, associated with, with uh, a particular denomination and that's fine. I am too. But ultimately God doesn't see denominations. He raises them up for a, for, a, for a reason. But that's not the main and important thing. The important thing is that as his body together we find out and establish his purpose for us. And, and his purpose is to build his church. So it's not an Assemblies of God Church. It's not necessarily an Elim Church. It's not necessarily an Anglican Church. It's certainly not an Apostolic Church. But it will be with a small A, of course. With a small A, not a capital A. But, but it's, it's his church. It's his church. Paul goes on and he says this. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gave the growth. And he goes on in verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. You see, the, the picture is being painted for us so clearly. Unless God builds the house, the house ain't getting built. You can see clearly that from these scriptural references why we are to call on him and to trust him. And by doing so, we make sure that he is central, that he is first, that he is the focal point that he is predominant and that he takes the lead. That text I mentioned this morning in Mark chapter 2 and verse 2, in the King James Version it says, it was noise that he was in the house. That's why so many people gathered. They didn't know that there was going to be a miracle demonstrated at the time, but because Jesus was there. 
Jesus was in the house. It was noise that he was in the house. That's where the love of God that exists in the unity and where Psalm 133 says, God, it's that place that God commands his blessing. We don't even have to ask him for his blessing. God commands his blessing on that unity of his people in their love for each other and for him. And it was noise that he was in the house. Let's call on God and say, Lord, above every, everything else, we want you to be in this house. You are, you are the attraction. It is, after all, him. It's, it's all about him. He's got to be the attraction. If he's not the attraction and it's something else, we may attract a few people to fill a few pews, but they're only pew fillers. And we, you know, in the name of Jesus, we don't necessarily want pew fillers. What we need is people who love the Lord and are ready to engage with God and say, I want to get in on this. I want to see God actually moving. I've been around a long time and I've seen this church. And, you know, I, I mean, there's so much we could say, you know, the latter days and, and not what the former days were and you know what the, 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 the Old Testament prophet said all oh, those days were far better and all that and we look back and we say oh they were great days and they were great days for them but God is at work now he's not gone anywhere the same purpose his purpose is eternal and why can't our churches be filled I'm saying this to myself I say wherever I go actually why 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 I just cannot understand it. I, I open my heart to you. So the only thing I can do is, what do we do? Do we make a cleaner church? Do we paint? Do we? What do we do? Put up some lights? No. The answer is here. Call upon me, says the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's why, for me, the prayer meeting is so important. Do you have a prayer meeting? I should have asked you before now. You do have a prayer meeting. Oh, that's, okay, thank God. I should have asked you before I started this. But, but I, perhaps I shouldn't. Perhaps the word of God is, is, is what I feel that the Lord wanted me to bring today. It, the prayer meeting is the most important meeting of the week, regardless of what anybody says. Because if it isn't happening in the prayer meeting, it isn't going to happen on a Sunday. It's got to happen in the prayer meeting. It really has. As we come together as God's people, there must be a shift of balance in every Christian mind to the vital aspect of prayer in any fellowship. What did Jesus say? Quoting from the Old Testament, my house shall be called a house of preaching. Good, let's get the best preachers in. My house shall be called a house of worship and, and good music. I love worship and good music, but he didn't say that either. My house shall be, well, you know, of course, I'm quoting a text to you that you already know. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And he went on to say for, for all nations. A.A. Torrey said about prayer meetings, pray for great things, expect great things, work for great things, but above all, pray. John Newton wrote some wonderful hymns. He was the writer of Amazing Grace, of course. And one of the verses of one of the hymns he wrote is this. When we come together to pray, he says, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such. None can ever ask too much. Have you heard that hymn? 
Have you ever sung that hymn? It's a great hymn. I can't remember the first line of the first verse. I'm looking at my wife and she can't either, so if she can't remember it, I'm certainly not going to remember it. But that verse I do know. Thou art coming to a king. When we come to a prayer meeting, you know, the enemy will say, Oh God, we've got to listen to this. We've got to listen to that. Oh. And he'll wind us down before we get here. So the time we get here, Oh God, we've got to endure this for an hour. Instead of saying, Oh man, a minute. Those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on me, says God. In fact, I'm going to finish off by reading a couple of scriptures in a moment that remind us about the, the efficiency and the power that is invested in just coming together to pray, to ask God, to say, God, we can't do it ourselves, but you can and we are ready. Lord, we depend on you. Just come as you will and do what you want. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with the brain. Now I know that Mrs. Jones's bunion on her little toe is a very painful thing. And she wants the church to pray. Please pray because God is as interested in Mrs. Jones's little bunion as much as he is in saving the whole of this great city of Newcastle. You understand what I mean? Of course he is interested in the small things. And we come with our little shopping lists and we say, Oh Lord, if you you know, if it's your will and, and and, and we ask him little things and God is so great he says I want you to ask me large things so that next Sunday when you come together you'll be rejoicing in the fact that God has done miracles amongst us as his people the things that we thought would never happen they are happening before our very eyes those things that look impossible nothing is impossible to me let me demonstrate it to you but first of all ask and says the New Testament writer, you have not, because you ask not. Oh, I just want to get into a prayer meeting, why don't you? Because that's, that's exactly what I feel. God is stirring up his people in this new era that we have found ourselves in post-COVID. There is something about that blank sheet of paper. Let us not go back to what we were, but let us say, Lord, we tried our best. Thank you for the pause. You press the pause button. But here we are now. We are ready to reset ourselves. And the only way that we know how to reset ourselves is to say, Lord, you have you away. We are just offering everything to you. Now, Lord, you can do far more exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You're coming to a king, said John Newton. Ah, large petitions with you bring, for his grace and power are such that none can ever ask too much. Please help us, Lord, to take that on board. I want to ask silly things. And when I say silly things, I want to ask things that are so big and gigantic that it's, it, it sounds silly to ask. But God says, no, it's not silly. Is there anything too hard for me? God, can you fill this place, Lord? By this time next year, is, it, is that an impossibility? Can you, Lord? Will you, Lord? Please, Lord. Lord, I don't know what we've got to do to do that, but whatever you say, we are ready to do it. God, in the name of your Son, surely Calvary means more than 30 people. Surely the Calvary means more than half a dozen churches in this area, and perhaps half of those don't, don't preach the real gospel. Surely Calvary means more to the people who are going to hell in this community than just a handful of people. Surely, Lord, God, come help us. We pray. That's the kind of call 
calling upon God that he absolutely loves. And say, Lord, is I mean, and maybe God says, do you want me to fill that place? I don't know how many chairs in a year, are there about 200 or not? Come on, says the Lord. He'll say, I want you to do it, two million. Well, why not? I mean, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But is it? E.M. Bound says there are four things to keep in mind when we come to pray. First, God hears prayer. God heeds prayer. God answers prayer. God delivers by prayer. C.H. Spurgeon knew the success of, of his church lay in the success of the prayer meeting. He would gather with over a thousand people in his prayer meetings. But whether we gather with a thousand or a hundred or fifty or ten or five, the principle is always the same. We are declaring our utter dependence on God. That's what it is. When we come together and we may have got a cold and the sniffles and we would rather watch Coronation Street than listen to Job praying the same prayer that he's prayed for the last 18 years. And, and there are a hundred reasons why we shouldn't come together. But isn't it a wonderful thing that actually just being together to pray says to God, see those people? You can almost imagine him saying to the angels, see these people here, right? Half of them didn't want to come to the prayer meeting, but they've come because they know that their dependence on me is all that they've got. They've tried this and they've tried that, and, and, and they know that unless I build their house, they labor in vain that build it. Listen to what they're saying. And God delights to hear that kind of thing. And let's, let's put God to it. It's his word at the end of the day. It's not mine. I'm not saying anything here. It's not my opinion about this. This is what God is saying. He says, call upon me and see what I will do. Because God can do more in a moment than any of us can do. And with this, I, I'll finish. <laughs> Satan's, I've got a couple of scriptures to read and then we'll finish. Satan is warm, isn't he? Are you warm? No, all right, plus it's me. I'm getting hot under the collar. I could undo my tie, but it would be untidy. And my, my chin would fall. All my chins would come down there, and I don't want to do that. No. Okay. Just, 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 let's um, expose the devil for what he is. He's a liar from the beginning. Because I know what happens, because it happens to me. When we talk about prayer and expecting great things from God, we get all sorts of doubts in our minds and all sorts of things that, that negate the promises of God. Satan's main strategy is to whisper in your ear, don't really bother about calling, don't go to the prayer meeting, that's a waste of time. Asking and depending on God, rely on your own ingenuity, on your own cleverness, on your own energy. Get together and get a plan up and, 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 and get your goals set and aim for some goals and make your own plans and solutions. You can do it. You see, he is not, the devil is not afraid of our human efforts and our human trying to do things. He's not afraid of that. But he knows that his kingdom will surely suffer the most damage when we begin to lift our hearts to God. And if you want to knock a hole in the kingdom of the devil, then it is as you gather together to pray. That's a wonderful, wonderful way of saying, devil, you've got us on your case. And so what am I saying here? I'm saying this. I've got members of my family that are not Christian. I've tried everything, honestly, I have. I've tried to leave scriptures, I've left magazines, 
I've spoken, I've said this, and I've said that, done this, done that. And you know what it's done? It's made things worse. It really has. I'm not just saying this for the sake of it. I'm being careful what I say because the camera is on me. But it's, it's made things worse. It just makes things worse. And it was a, a year, probably about this time last year, that I suddenly realized, wait a minute, when God was speaking to me about all this, we, 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 we say the words, but they're up here, but sometimes they're not really down there. We don't really put our faith into action. We believe, but it's not here. And somehow the word of God here had dropped into my spirit, and I thought, do you know what's actually right? relax and say Lord in your time things may get worse I don't know if you tell me to speak now I'll speak but if you're not telling me to speak I'm not going to do anything I'm just not going to try I'm trusting you Lord I don't want any member of my family not to be with me in glory and maybe there are some of you in this meeting tonight and you've got people maybe a husband or a wife or a mum or a dad or a child or a grandchild and we're living in a dark dark world that is getting darker by the day you know that don't you I don't want to be a Job's comforter but that's the kind of world that we're living in it's the end times and things are not going to get better as, as much as I support Miss Truss Mrs. whatever her name is Truss is she a Mrs. She is a Mrs. Um, and, 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 and government. Let's put it like that. The support government. That's not going to help us. The government is not going to help us. It's, it's God's kingdom that is the only way to life and to liberty. It, that's the only way. And, and I know that for my family, the family members that need Jesus, there is only one, th there's only one answer and that's God's. He's got a wonderful way of doing what I can't and what nobody else can do. He's got a wonderful way of breaking in. We could talk of many examples of my time has gone. Let me just read these scriptures. And I'm reading these scriptures to you just to inspire you. Because when the next pastor, when the next prayer meeting is on, and I'm not asking when the next meeting is on, I'm just saying when the next, pre the next prayer meeting is on. Um, Oh, it's Wednesday, there we go. Well, I'll be praying about it. I will. Honestly, I'm going to take this home because after all, this message has come to me tonight uh, that I'm bringing to you. So I want to take a bit of interest. I, I believe, uh, let's, let's believe that everybody's going to be here. Let's believe that, okay? Everybody's going to be here. People that aren't here and maybe are listening to me on on um, on, on on the camera uh, and, and you're, you're able to join in in prayer, you'll be joining in as well. Some of you may be able to come to the prayer meeting. Praise God for that. We need everyone on board here because this is the way to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. As his will is in heaven, so may it be on earth. And we are the people who are going to bring that together as we call upon the name of the Lord. Listen, with these scriptures I finish and I promise I will. Jeremiah 29 and you'll know this, this text, but it goes on into 12 and 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Great, praise God. Then you will call upon me. And come and pray to me. And then what does he say? And I will hear you. You will seek me. And find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. Call to me, says God, and I will answer you. Not I may, 
I will. If you call on God, he will answer you. Call on to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Now, there's a whole mystery within that phrase, which I won't unpack now. But God will tell you, maybe he will tell you what to do. Great and hidden things that you've not known. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Suddenly, because you've called on him, and he'll touch your imagination. That, in, that, that by his spirit, he will create something in you that says, Wow, is that what you want me to do, Lord? I'm going to do that. Are you with me? Because you've called on God. God says, you call on me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. James chapter 4 and verse 2. Uh, verse 7 and 8. You do not have because you do not ask. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Psalm 91 and verse 15. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 50 and verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Are you getting bored with the word of God? I hope you're not. I hope by faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's why I'm reading these out. It's not just to entertain anybody. But may the word of God do its own work and stir faith in our hearts to believe a great God for great things and call upon him and say, Lord, that's what you promise and that's what I'm expecting. At the end of the day, it's your word and I'm bringing you a word to you now fulfill your word you said great things I'm expecting great things but you've got to call upon him anyway I'm getting all excited <laughs> Jesus said ask and it will be given you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened and then the text that I've read today for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hebrews 4.16 Let us then with confidence draw near to the... Oh, here's a lovely text to preach on. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. The throne, the sovereignty, the omnipotence of God, but it's of grace that we may receive mercy, because we need that, God not giving to us what we do deserve, and find grace, that's God giving us what we don't deserve. So let's read it again, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy, and find grace to help in the time of need. And then Isaiah finishes us off with very simply, call upon him while he is near. Well, he's Emmanuel. This is Emmanuel. There you go. He's Emmanuel. He's near. He's with us. And he wants us to call upon him. So make the church prayer meeting the most important meeting of the week. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Make it your most important involvement more than anything else to call upon him. Say, Lord, we depend on you. It may be that you're in need of prayer tonight yourself. Maybe you need encouragement. Maybe you are facing impossible situations. And maybe you've brought it to prayer, but you've, you've you, like me, oh, so many times I bring it to the feet of Jesus. I say, Lord, will you take care of this, please? And then as I'm going, I take it back and I, I try to do what I can to help the situation. It doesn't work. 
That's my experience. I'm sure you've been there as well. But when we depend on him alone and trust him and say, Lord, however long it takes, in whatever way you want to do it, I'm trusting you because you said you would answer my prayer. When I call, you will answer. That's what you said. And I'm trusting you. And see what God will do. Oh, gosh, I feel the excitement already in my own spirit. That hymnist wrote, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Saviour. I come to thee. And finally, oh, what peace we often forfeit. How true it is. What a friend we have in Jesus. Yeah, true. But oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I know we can do that individually, but there is something about the body of Christ. That scripture this morning was from God. The body of Christ meeting together and saying, Lord, together, even together we can't do it, but you can. Who is it that you are praying for? What is it? Is he able? Of course he's able. Call upon me, he says, and I will answer you. I'm expecting miracles, I don't know about you. We need that kind of revival. That's what we need. We don't need the new bands. Thank God for the new bands. We don't need all those things. What we need is a touch from God. Let God be God in the name of Jesus. And let Emmanuel Pentecostal Church experience a fresh touch of God because the loyal people here with integrity of heart and simplicity of faith were saying, Lord, we can't do it. You can. Let's pray. Lord, please help us in our weakness because we turn to thee, our great, great God who through Jesus has made access for us to come with confidence to ask you great things. And you delight when we ask you great things because we expect a, 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 a scene of your greatness to be evident amongst us as your people that is evident to people outside so that they come in and they register that there is a love in this place that exists between your people that leads them to the place where they too themselves will call upon you and see miracles happening in their own lives. Lord, you know the people here who are looking for miracles in, in their own lives and in the lives of their loved ones. Lord, we come to you today yet again and call upon you and say, gracious God, in your mercy, remember grace. And let your mercy be poured out upon us and we thank you for that because it has. But let your grace be our portion now that we may obtain help in our time of need. Lord, will you reverse those situations? Will you interject into those situations that look impossible? Will you reverse the processes of things that look negative and turn them into something which is positive? Let there be signs of our faith in you bringing the rewards of knowing that calling upon you will always work because you have promised it in your word. Will you make these people a people who gather together to call upon your name like they've never done before and to make room for the 
evidence of the answer to their prayer. Grant it, Lord, we pray, in the precious and holy name of Jesus. And may his name be glorified. Amen.